Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, the best wrestling podcast around, hosted by Brady and Danielle, the Human. From Brooklyn to your living room, it's the best podcast to listen to. Morning, even afternoon, here, clever blind girl and a Jew talk about wrestling. They do it twenty four seven because they love to speak on it every week. That's why they are best friends, and they're back once again for some wrestling talk. So sit back, relax. It's time for Hillmarks. They're not just smart. They're Hillmarks. They're not just smart. They're Hillmarks. Ladies and gentlemen, fans and friends, we are back once again. It is the hyperactive heel, Brady, with the beauty mark, Danielle. Together we are the Hillmarks. And we are covering the show Heels this time doing episode three danielle this show is really fun it's fun it's fun as a wrestling fan and it's also fun if you weren't a wrestling fan i i I don't know i'm really liking it and this one was fun because uh though we do love the name cheap heat we also love a cameo we get we get the guest star cm punk in this episode want to talk about cm punk love fun fact Yes. About this is this role was not intended for CM Punk. Oh, he was a last that. minute call in as a f- favor from like I think one other producer, director, writer, oh, someone on the show. I didn't know that. One one thing I do have to say, I know like I remember seeing videos of them taking hours to like cover up all his tattoos. I kind of wish they just kept them because he looks so bad without tattoos. Like he looks severely out of shape. I think that was the intention. I guess so, but I was like, ooh. Because he's not just a veteran. He's a veteran who's really, like, not able to go anymore, you know? Right. And we even kind of see um, him talking things, you know? Like, the last time I got put in the sharpshooter, I almost shit myself, you know? He's he's 100% a wrestler who would look extremely out of shape. And a lot of those tattoos do kind of give him definition, make him look a little more badass. So I think I think whatever they were going for was perfect. I'm glad they did. It, it. was it was weird. I was like, ooh, you look super weird without all those tattoos. <laughs> I'm like, how do you feel about his first? I don't know if I, I would love to ask an actor if this technically counts as a nude scene. We got to see CM Punk taking a shit. Does that count? No, that doesn't count. You gotta see booty. Pants down. Yeah, you but probably you saw some side booty if you were looking for it. Nah, side booty doesn't count. That's like side. That's like mean? side boob. That's like side boob. That doesn't count. Side boob counts if the whole boob is out. But that's not. Then that's not side boob. That's whole. If boob. all you see is the side boob, it, all you see is the side of the boob, but the boob is out. No, it doesn't count. You know, like 
doesn't it count. Counts. No, I think it, it doesn't. Counts. No, it. Do- I mean, if you. Well, really- we're gonna have to listen to our fans. They're gonna definitely tell us if it counts or not. But let's get into this episode. Okay. Um, as I said, we we got some fun stuff. Let's just. What did you think about the character Ricky Rabies? So it was funny. I felt like it was art imitating life, imitating art. Like especially like this episode kind of came right when CM Punk came back to AEW, and it was the whole like he's the draw, you know, he's causing all the commotion, just like CM Punk. Like I, it was. Definitely interesting. I was like, oh, I'm watching CM Punk right now. I am i don't know how long ago they taped this. I don't know how long ago he signed or agreed on anything with AEW. I don't know how long everything's been in the works. But it's funny that if he hadn't already returned to AEW, we'd probably be watching this episode thinking this is the last time we'll ever see CM Punk in a right, wrestling ring. right. Right. So it was just interesting that it just so happened. Maybe he knew, like, oh, this is going to come out when I'm coming back. It would have been as Ricky Rabies uh, spitting blood in people's faces because blood brings us together. It binds us. It defines us. Oh, man. But I was like, this is I was like, this is the nicer version of CM Punk. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really did like the character. I'm curious to know who the actor was that was originally going to play it. Um as a wrestling fan, I think CM Punk playing the role kind of lets us connect to the character a little bit more or connect to the story. You know, not just his character, Ricky Rabies, but the veteran being brought in. We see how genuine the character is when he he thanks, you know, Jack Spade. He says, listen, you're helping me put food on my family's plate i we really appreciate this booking and the way he said it there was just so it was so genuine and it makes you connect to that type of wrestler because there are wrestlers out there that just really do thank their lucky stars every day that they get to put food on their family's plates while wrestling right that's like i said it was definitely the nicer version of the real cm punk agreed um the uh the first scene of this episode definitely sets the tone um or at least at least i thought it was going to play a little bit more role but it does it Mm -hmm. it, kind of just immediately sets you off where you're like oh shit because the first scene we see the king tom spade we've seen his pictures we know what he looks like so we knew that this was the the father of jack and ace i didn't know it was the father of jack and ace really i wasn't yeah i must have like not picked up on the pictures of him and stuff i did not know that was him well, that's surprising. I kind of knew where it was. I'm a crazy movie person, and I usually pick up on stuff like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> because, because I'm because as I'm watching it, like I was kind of able to see where it was going and able to piece it together. Like, oh, this is the father. And a part of me was hoping that throughout the series we would just see more and be able to learn more about King Tom through flashbacks. So. I kind of thought that it was going to end the way it ended, but I, I, there was a part of me hoping for another another direction. I feel like Ace finding him was very anticlimactic, though. So yeah, so that it was a we- it was weird. I don't know if it was acting or directing or what, but it was very weird the way he found him. Well, all right. So as far as as far as the acting is concerned, I actually thought um, the actor who plays Ace did a phenomenal job. Alexander Ludwig. About- What'd you say? Alexander Ludwig. That guy. Uh, I, it was just a real quick shot where we just see the utter devastation, the utter shock, and then boom, right into the uh, title card. <laughs> so, title card, yeah. So I, I thought that we saw 
just enough of it and and his instant reaction. I, so I dug that. The only thing about it was where as I'm watching this scene, I thought uh, even though it ends, you know, and, and let's talk about it first where we see him. He's running. He's saying hi to neighbors. We see him pass a billboard that bills him wrestling Wild Bill. They're going to have a big match. He's doing chores. He sees a deer eating. I, believe, I think it was fruit, fruit or vegetables that he's growing and goes inside, gets a gun seemingly to shoot the deer. And then, boom, no hesitation, just gun to the face. Yeah, it was a very odd... Yeah, I don't know. I, I just felt that the the him finding him was very anticlimactic. I felt like that was... And it, like you said, it definitely sets the tone. And it sets the... the I'm trying to think of the, the right word. It, it definitely sets up for how Ace and Jack feel about their father and how they both have very different ways of looking at their father, yet still looking at him the same way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was hoping we'd get more, and I was hoping that this this scene would be more meaningful to the overall narrative of the story throughout the season. However, later in the episode, when... Um, Ace and Jack are having a conversation. Ace is talking about how he wants to be a face. Daddy was the face. I'm the face. You're the heel. And Jack takes offense to this and goes, Daddy was a face. He was a good guy. Okay, whispers in close. He knew you were home. And then at that point, it's like, oh, so they only gave us this, gave us this scene so that they could give us this line. And this scene informs the line. And so now anytime we do see King Tom in the future, I'm assuming it will kind of just be to not leave us in the dark when it gets when there's a reference to it later. And right. that to me, I don't know. I don't I, I don't know how I feel about it. Like I said, I just wish there was more. And, and I hope we get more from King Tom. think we will because i think that will show where the tension is between jack and ace i think i think king tom is the reason that there is tension between the brothers because jack kind of had to grow like you know had to take over he probably didn't want to take over you know the wrestling company and decide and he had to because of his father so i guess there's, there's definitely tension between them and we don't know if like King Tom favored Ace, and that's why Ace is the baby face that everyone loves. And then Jack had to take on the heel role. Like, we don't know where that comes. But I'm assuming King Tom is the reason that there is tension between the two brothers. Yeah, and and we don't know if maybe it just wasn't an age thing, the fact that Ace was the youngest. Um, it, It could have been a connection to the business thing. It's been mentioned that Ace didn't even want to wrestle, and Jack got him into it. And... Then when we we Stacy's arc this episode where she's having her girls night out and the ladies, which I, I'd love to hear your opinion about this, Danielle, because I mean, granted, I loved watching this narrative. But is this realistic Four girls go out for a, for a girls night out? They find out that there's a wrestling show and they, they want to do nothing else. OK, so this is what I got from that. So what I got from that, it, a, a perfect line is when um. St- Stacy's friend is explaining to her what Machu Picchu is. So right there, we know that these girls kind of look down on Stacy a little bit because her husband is a wrestler, an indie wrestler. So they're not with that. Well, hold on. I want to stop you real quick, actually. Um, Just because, and and this is actually the reason I brought this arc up, when they're watching the wrestling, they don't actually know that Jack's a wrestler. In fact, when it's it's mentioned that there's a wrestling show at all, 
they ask her, they're like, I thought Jack's dad only did that. And then she's like, well, you know, he's keeping the business alive. And that's what made me think, and that's why I brought it up. I was wondering if maybe Jack, and we know Ace wasn't into it, but maybe Jack wasn't even a wrestler before I didn't, his dad. I didn't pick up on that. I thought they, they knew. But from... No, they, they were shocked. So from what I'm getting, what I'm getting from that is the reason they decided to go with, to the wrestling show is that they were going to look down on, like they kind of like make them feel better by seeing Stacy's husband be in the wrestling show. I don't think that at all. And as I said, they well, were, I mean, they, they, they weren't so, nice to her though. No, 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 no. But here's what They're I They're very condescending to her. That's right, what I got from it. I understand. I understand. I understand. This is what I think. I don't think that wrestling had anything to do with it. Like I said, they were very surprised that wrestling was even happened. They seemed to not know that that was a part of Stacy's life. They thought it was just, you know, Stacy's parents-in-law. So I think they were looking <laughs> down on them. In, yes, the parents-in-law. I think they were looking down on them because he's a lawnmower salesman and the and, and and that's the only income they really knew of was coming into the house. She doesn't work. She raises the the, the son and the breadwinner sells lawnsmen for a 26-year-old. So with that being said and you looking at it that way, again, they're slumming it by going to a wrestling show. They I I I thought that they it, it, to be honest, I thought they actually gained a little respect and like we're like, wait a minute, what? You guys, wait, this is your wrestling. I didn't get and that then at when all. They saw Jack, when they saw Jack and, and the ladies, like, oh my god, he's so hot. They said he's and, like, still so hot. The they were they were seeing like a completely different side of them. Right, but I think that was the turning point of it, where you see a different side of them. In the beginning, they're kind of like, well, we're better because like even if our lives are a little bit shitty, obviously we don't go into their lives too much. But Stacy's a stay-at-home mom whose son sell, I mean, whose husband sells lawnmowers, and it's like, oh, we'll go to wrestling, we'll slum it in this damn neighborhood because all of them were from there and got out, and she's still right. there. I'll be honest, I totally disagree with you only because the women were just, they really seemed genuinely excited to do it. However, I do want to move on. I want to get away from the women. I want to talk about Bobby Pin. Bobby Pin for, was the star of the episode for me. Bobby Pin? Why? Oh, because of the whole ice thing? Ice thing? Oh, I mean, really just we, we, this was the episode where I found myself really a, attached to Bobby Pin as the character I'm rooting for. Um, you know, I, I think at times throughout the first couple episodes, I thought it would be Rooster. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's the part of you that think maybe maybe you're rooting for one of, you know, an apocalypse. But but Bobby Pin really, really came out, came out to me in this episode. And, yeah, the icing, the icing stuff was fun. It, it, it was a, it was endearing for me. It was endearing. Um, going back to to after the cold open with Ace finding his father and then they cut to Ace practicing his promo, trying to get, you know, get the the fans back on his side and he's saying all this stuff and he said good triumphs always triumphs over evil and jack is like what good doesn't always triumph over evil he's like evil has a shit ton in its trophy case and i thought that was a really good line because it's very accurate coming especially coming off of their dad killing themselves himself also coming from Jack Spade, who's uh, who's a true heel, and and he wants Ace to be heel, and it's kind of like him saying, "What do you mean, good always triumphs evil?" Like, nah, bro, evil runs this shit. You can do whatever the fuck you want when you're evil. We win. Right, 
Right. And I, I just, I just really like that line. That was, that has been probably my favorite line uh, in the show so far. I just thought that was a very accurate depiction. I also, yeah, we get, we get Ace doing a face promo and, and I thought it really lacked sincerity. Yeah, of course. Um, and, and Crystal is the only one who's like, she's not, she, she, she's not really reacting positively to it and she's coming out and saying it. And she wants to take a different route. She wants to lean into, him as a heel, and she's the only one being upright about it. Jack, the whole fucking time, is, is, is knows what he's doing. Right. Jack knows Ace is about to be healed. Jack's setting the whole fucking thing up. We learn later in the episode with his exchange with Willie, and granted, any wrestling fans would have picked up on this when watching it. When you see the snowstorm of tissue packets being thrown at him, you're like, okay, what are the odds that everybody's bringing their own fucking tissues? It's so, like it's like in WWE when they hand out Cesaro section printouts or Hugger section printouts or like we want women's tag championships. It's like stop that. Or back or or, or you know to to go not as cynical with it back in ECW days when they handed out mannequin heads right. so that you could have the awesome appearance, the awesome visual of Al Snow coming out and just. A sea of mannequin heads. Those are epic moments. And and so sometimes, and I bring that up just to kind of put our own little wrestling fan spin on this, where it's not, yes, in this episode and for this narrative, he's a bit of a snake. You know, he's pulling the strings and his 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 brother is the puppet and he's gonna make what he wants happening. But in terms of a wrestling promoter, that visual, like she says, oh my God, it looks like a snowstorm. That type of shit, that's going to go viral. That's that's a, a moment well, that they're creating. Well, well, as Jack said, evil does have a shit ton in its trophy case. Speaking of evil, you're fucking evil. Because I said I wanted to talk about Bobby Pin, and your first line is, yeah, Bobby Pin was endearing. But you know what? Let's talk about Ace. Well, I would so like to go back to the beginning instead of you jumping to the middle of the episode. What do you mean jumping to the middle, Danielle? Please let me lead, because Bobby Pin is the first person we see after King Tom shoots himself. Bobby Pin in the strip club, and he we find out he's got the main event, and Bobby Pin is calling his parents and leaving a voicemail, and we're hearing Bobby Pin's so sincere i'm in the main event tonight i love you i can't wait to see you and then of course he has to you know he has to stop a woman from smacking another woman on the ass and he takes her out and she's like oh i'll apologize well i think it would lack sincerity now so that's why i brought bobby pin up within the first couple minutes of of escaping the suicide and then dealing with that horrible heels theme song i do love heels but i do not like the theme song i don't like the theme song either they try to make it more dramatic than it is but yeah, no. So so Bobby Pin, we, we started with Bobby Pin, and and, and there was just a, con- a continuous storyline with him, with him, and this episode really made me fall in love with him. Um, <laughs> the funny thing about going to, to with Ace and Jack talking about what you mentioned with Good Triumphs Over Evil is that Ace seems to be stuck on in the end, in the end, Good Triumphs Over Evil. And so they kept saying in the end, and in my notes I wrote in the end dot dot dot, and I, I, I'm wondering what is gonna what is in store for us in the end of this series. I think Ace is gonna kill himself. Not the series. I meant the season. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh no, I don't know. <laughs> I think Jack will have to face it if he's good or evil. And if kayfabe and reality have blended, or he can like step away from it, because right now he's being Jack Spade, the he, the wrestler, in both reality and kayfabe. 
I mean, Jack's trying to tote the line between what's actually right for his big brother and what's right for the family business. And I mean, because even when he's talking to Chase, uh, I'm sorry, Ace about it, he says he's like the way it works in developmental. And it's, it's a lot of what the commentary he says are very, you know, they apply to what goes on today. He's like, you join with a big corporation, you lose like a lot of your freedom. Like and they could keep you in developmental for years. Like you don't have a choice in anything that happens. He's like, here with me, you can be the star. We can make you a big star here. And so I think that's where it is. Like, is Jack right? Yeah, sure, he's right. He could also be wrong, though. Maybe Ace goes to developmental and they immediately want to shoot him to the TV. So Jack wants Ace to be a big star in DWL because that will make DWL bigger. If if Wild Bill took Ace episode one, Ace could e- easily have been a big star, but that hurts the DWL. He wants them to rise together. The company and the guy. I don't think he wants Ace to rise. I think he wants what's best for the company. I do think he wants, like, listen, if he didn't want Ace to rise, he doesn't have to make Ace the main event. He doesn't have to make Ace a top contender. Either way, Ace is getting television time that someone like, you know, we see Rooster this episode. Once again, that's a narrative we're hearing, we're seeing with Rooster. And Rooster's acknowledged this since episode one. Rooster thought that Ace's spot should have been his, and tonight Ace is in the main event with Bobby Pin, and Rooster thinks that spot should have been his. Right, and Ace doesn't have a scuff on his shoes. Yeah, do you have? Were you familiar with that term prior to the episode? No. Yeah, no, it's a it's a thing in wrestling where, and Jack does acknowledge it when Ace asks him about it later, but he says flat out, he's like, "Yeah, having no scuffs on your boots means that it, it essentially means that you don't bump." And that makes you a bad person to work with. Means you're a bad partner in the ring. Nobody wants to work with somebody with clean boots. And it's one of those things where if you look in the, you know, the uh, the trademarks of the industry, gear, robes, all that entrance stuff, keep them clean. The boots are the one thing you don't want to keep clean. You do want those birds dirty and scuffed. It's it's just a part of the business. That would kill me. I'd be very annoyed if I had scuffed boots. <laughs> I'd be so upset. I'd be like, nope, cleaning. I'd be like, I clean your boots too. <laughs> I would not be happy about that. Yeah. Um, this this rooster storyline is interesting to me because as I said earlier, I was wondering who, I'm trying to figure out what happens in the end, trying to figure out if good does triumph evil and if that happens, who gets it? And in this episode, it made me think of Bobby Pin. Like I said, Bobby Pin's kind of emerging as the hero for me, but also Rooster, because Rooster is talking about it with Apocalypse. Rooster, it's every episode, it's his issue is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know? And we see Ace actually frustrated. He's in the main event, and he's frustrated with Jack because Jack is fighting Ricky Rabies. So he thinks that Jack is in the main event. Ace is actually in the main event. So that's two coveted spots rooster's not a part of it rooster's just a hamster on the wheel right and he's saying he's the best so why doesn't he have a shot and jack replied what makes sense to the story he was like it doesn't make sense for you to be there yeah i mean what i liked about the eventual conversation and once again apocalypse being the voice of reason here because rooster was an asshole to bobby pin and Bobby Pin just, granted, Bobby Pin clearly, someone should have explained to him the proper way to ice somebody and how 
in the bathroom is just the one, especially in the fucking toilet or the urinal is not right. the place to do it. That's not how it works. You don't piss on a beer and then and <laughs> poor Bobby. But Brewster was being an asshole and Apocalypse is able to call him out. Like, listen, you know, it's not Bobby's fault that he's in the main event. Talk to Jack. And every time Rooster's got something to say, oh, well, Jack's not available, then get Willie to schedule an appointment. Like, there's always a way to do it. And when we do eventually get Rooster's conversation with Jack, Rooster actually doesn't get to talk. He says, can I talk? But Jack already knows what he's going to say. I had to put Bobby in the main event. And explains it. And, and, exp- and, and I loved this conversation so much. Because it gives us a different side of what happens in real life. For example, in WWE, it does not matter who the best wrestler is. Sometimes the best wrestler is treated as such, made the champion, made the main event. But the reason why fans revolted against someone like John Cena for the longest time was because he was presented undoubtedly as the best. And the rest and the wrestling fan base did not agree. They thought there were better people at wrestling than John Cena. And here we're having Jack flat out say, you're a natural talent. You've got personality. You are the best person I have. Yet it doesn't make sense yet for me to present you as the best. And talent like Rooster won't always get it. Wrestling fans like us won't always get it. But this is this is the business being presented to us accurately, I thought. It definitely had a, had a sense of, of reality and how the business is in wrestling. Yeah, and he hasn't, you know, really explained it too much, and Rooster didn't quite seem to understand it, so I do expect us to get back to it. But there, in in some ways, it makes sense, only because, and this is this is how it works, the, the guys who are the best in the ring, the Ricochets, the Cesaros, the Dolph Zigglers, they're the best at making others look good. Right. So what do you use them for? Well, you put them with people that, aren't as good as them so they can make them look better than they are and people that are sometimes more over than them even though they're not as good yeah and it's why guys like rooster have to work harder and and it takes them longer to make it and we see the turmoil here because rooster when he has this conversation with ace which i do think took a lot of maturity for him to have probably helped because he was looking at wild bills (laughs) wild bill apparently (laughs) But when they're talking, like Rooster says, the championship doesn't quite stand out unless it's got a white background to it. That's something he's almost forced to think because he tells us he was a prodigy. Now he's a vet. Started at 16. Now he's a vet. Went from company to company to company. Everyone loved him. The best. Never got the belt. So... As we've just illustrated, if you are jumping from company to company to company, maybe there's not enough time to get to the belt because they're going to make you work longer. They're going to make you put others over for the longer time. But in his mind also, listen, I'm the best and I'm black and these people are white and not as good and they keep getting all these opportunities. I mean, what do you feel about Rooster's turmoil in this episode? I mean, I I don't know how I feel about certain things he says, but I do understand his frustration. Like, I was very confused on why he couldn't just let Rooster wrestle. I mean, I understand, like, we just talked about, like, oh, it is good for the story, but, like, just let him wrestle. He's there. People go to see him, too, regardless of having a belt or not. I I, I do believe that he did wrestle. I'm pretty sure we do see a quick clip of him in the ring. The issue wasn't he didn't wrestle. It wasn't the main event. No, 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 I know. 
Okay. Um, no, I know. Um, so, no, like, why couldn't he wrestle, so, like, in the main event or something along those lines? So, it's like, I, why couldn't... I, I do, you know, you know what, I to, to your point, when we do get that moment, um, after, after Jax had his match, it's main event time, and Ace is nowhere to be found. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Granted, we had last seen Ace with Rooster, so there's a chance they were still together. But I do wonder why it would have been fun. If in that moment Jack is like, okay, like succumbs to Willie's telling him that he can't wrestle two matches in a row. He's not a kid anymore. So then he decides to bring in Rooster only to pull Rooster to the side again because Ace showed up late. I I, I wonder why they didn't decide to do that. Yeah, they should have told Ace to fuck off. Well, no, it, it would it would have just been another heartbreaking moment for Rooster as he gets told last minute your main event. Oh, wait, never mind. White guy showed up. I do think it's interesting that Rooster is kind of the, the the one, for better or for worse, to help Ace realize he's a heel now. No choice. You cried in the ring. Right. I That whole crying in the ring thing doesn't make me feel heel. Like, everyone, like, the, during this thing, they're like, you cried in the ring. You have to be a heel now. And I'm like, but why? Like, baby faces aren't allowed to cry? I mean, I think sometimes you can focus on that or we could just focus on the reaction. And whether you think they should have or would have, if a crowd is reacting to a certain thing, you kind of just have to lead into that. So if this particular crowd in this particular town, they they look down on, on sensitive men or showing emotion or whatever it is. So a man breaking down and weeping in the ring. And everyone we've heard talks on this show is talking about it negatively. You look like a 14-year-old girl. You look like a baby, you know. Yeah. Maybe this audience just isn't very nice. Yeah, this audience, well, I mean, this audience is. I don't think they're they're depicting this audience from the best of... America. Fair enough. I think that's the point. Let's talk about a real interesting storyline we got in this episode. Let's talk about the narrative that follows the fair Crystal. Okay. Crystal, she she becomes, I guess, a protege of someone. I, I don't know if she'd want to. By the end of the episode, we realize that Crystal's new mentor, Vicky Rabies, is not exactly the mentor that she should be looking up to didn't ricky and and them all remind i thought when as soon as they came in with the kid and her i was like this is the hardy family like i got total hardy vibes <laughs> i'm pretty sh- I'm, I, I could be wrong i i uh, i did not actually write the kid's name down but i'm pretty sure it was something like wolfgang probably or- I it don't was know I, I think there's a chance that it might be I, similar i, I see children and i go glaze i don't know <laughs> But yeah, we get uh, we you know we get Ricky and Vicky Rabies, and 
they're kind of led. We're led to believe it doesn't. They don't ever clarify, but it's just hi. This is my valet, Vicky, and this is my son. So naturally, we kind of assume that this is the family he keeps talking about. You're putting food on my family's plate. We right. kind of assume that this is it. Right. Um, and and as such, and and Ricky's a legend in the business. Vicky is as well. This is a legendary couple that have been going up and down the road for years selling out arenas. Right. So, and then we find out he's a piece of shit. Well, Chris, I, I want to focus first. Slow down. Crystal is like looking up to her so much and taking all this advice and we're watching her just take it. You know, if you see you see your man, he is his neck is hurt, rub it. If you see your man in trouble, help him any way he needs. Always be there for him. Hitch your horse to the right or hitch your thing to the right horse, whatever it is. And um, I know that you were never really big on Tough Enough, but the first season of Tough Enough, there was a thing that I'll never forget. It was so telling. Stone Cold Steve Austin came to visit them, right? They were right. like the Tough Enough cast was in like their cabin and Stone Cold comes out and he's got his wife, Deborah with him. And they're both talking about what it is like to be a WWE superstar, a male superstar, and Deborah speaking on what it's like to essentially be a valet. And she basically said that, like, women are the candles. And their job is to keep the bright light on the superstars and make them look better and make them look brighter and just do anything to enhance them. And... It was so it was it was one of those surreal things as a viewer because she's brought in on the show not to be a cautionary tale. She's brought in on the show as a professional. This is a diva, Deborah. Listen to her talk to this is her imparting wisdom. And there was one of the women women who uh, was a, one of the finalists. I believe she actually went on to gain success behind the camera. I think she's Brian Kendrick's wife now. But she said to the camera like with tears in her eyes, she's like, "I don't want to be a candle." Like, I want to be a star. Right. I want to be a star that can be bright on my own. And Vicky Rabies, like that, this, this, everything this character represented. I loved that we got to see her. I loved that Crystal got to watch her for better or for worse. And I loved the ending where not just we realize that he's, he's married and, in, in her words, not all relationships are ideal. But then she says, you want some advice? Uh, something in, in gummy bears. Gummy she bears says, for dinner. She says, tuna for lunch, gummy bears for dinner. That's how I stay so skinny. There it is. And it's like, and you got to stay skinny. And in that moment, you're just kind of like, oh, my God. Okay, no one should be taking advice from this woman. Right. They're both trash. Like, Ricky's trash and she's trash. Because they're having a relationship while he's married. I, I'm still not convinced that Ricky and Vicky are anything but, but saying not all relationships are conventional. That's clearly means that she's the side piece. That's exactly what it means. That's what side women say or side pieces, regardless of male or female. If you're saying it's not conventional, it's because you're in a relationship with this person, even though they're married. I think she's in love with him. No, no. She said relationships, not conventional. Yeah, relationship. But Me why would she tell? It's not right. But she's telling. But she's telling Crystal, who's in a relationship with Ace. She knows their boyfriend and girlfriend, or like Crystal thinks their boyfriend and girlfriend. Like she knows that. So saying a relationship, she's not we like, oh, your buddy. She know Vicky knows that. All Vicky knows yes, is that she's she does. All relationships are conventional. It's a hundred percent because she is with Ricky, even though he's married. 
Why would they even throw that in there? If not to make him look bad. He's doing all this for his family. He's being supported. And at the end of the day, he's just a piece of shit like her. I still have no idea the type of man that Ricky Rabies is. He's a piece okay? of shit. He be that poor possum on the drone. That's serial killer shit. <laughs> you know, they want to stuff. They probably found that possum. They probably tried to rescue it. Couldn't. And they're like, all right, you know what, possum? You're riding with us. That was awful. What a mess. That whole thing. I was like, what is happening with this possum drone? What is going on? <laughs> uh, speaking of the possum drone, speaking of the Ricky Rabies Jack Spade match, uh, this was probably the most wrestling we got uh, of the series so far. Only three episodes in. Second episode, we got no in-ring action. First, we got a little bit via the montage. Right. Um, and then that main event squash match. So this was the first time we actually got to see two characters work a match. What did you think about this one, Danielle? Well, I liked it because CM Punk was in it. Okay. So, I mean, Simple. obviously we're going to see real wrestling. And good okay. wrestling. Fair enough. I, I, I dug it. Yeah. Because I thought this was a fun match. Um, I, I like the, I, I like when they throw inside baseball in there. And so little things such as, you know, R Ricky's already set the table for his character, mentioning earlier how his body can't do things or later that he used to be able to do, you know. So later we see Ricky Rabies go to the top rope. He drops an elbow or a knee drop. And I think it was an elbow drop, but he lands wrong on his knee. And we see them communicate and he tells them flat out. He's like, oh, my knee's gone. My knee's gone. And then Jack Spade uses a phrase that in the wrestling industry we know. Well, home we go, my friend. Right. And that, you know, if they're calling the match, they say, home we go. That's all right. Let's go to the finish. Yeah. And another little touch I liked about this was if you if you noticed in the finish they did something so rinky dinky made me laugh at first where Jack is just running away and Ricky's like, come here, Jack, I'm going to get you. But what that set the stage for was they were able to do the finisher with his leg draped on the apron, protecting the injured knee. Exactly. And I thought that was just such a smart little detail, like a chef's kiss. And that's also like, as a wrestling fan, you know what's up with that. Exactly. Like, right. that is something that a really smart wrestler would do in an improv situation like that. So as a wrestling fan, as a Mark, um, I definitely enjoyed that. I appreciated it. Loved the details of the finish. Yeah, I like that too. I thought it was a fun match. I mean, it was a little ridiculous with all the blood and all the stuff going, but people were eating it up. And again, I'm like, it sets the tone for where they are. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it, it's, it, it, like I said, everything we're getting, especially three episodes in, it's all just little pieces. They're, they're splitting them up a little pieces for us to learn about these characters. And so we are getting to know we're, he's not going to be the most impressive character visually to us in the ring. But Jack Spade, we're learning how good he is, how smart he is, how valuable he is in that ring. Right. And, and that's the reason why he was so willing to go out and work with Bobby after he just worked Ricky Rabies. Oh, yeah. I like the part where Bobby puts the the Smirnoff ice in Rooster's car at the end, because no matter how much shit Rooster gets him, gives him and how much how mad he is, Bobby's still trying because he knows Bobby's a good guy at heart. He knows Bobby's not bad. He knows he's not doing it maliciously. He's just trying to be a good person. Like, he's just trying to get along with the boys and be with them. And I just love when Rooster's like, I'm driving. He goes, OK, drink it when you get home. 
and record it so I could see it. Like, I just right. love that that moment that even though, like, Rooster gives him shit all the time because it's not really about Bobby. It's the frustration that he has for himself and not for Bobby. And also, Bobby just seems like a type of guy, like, he really just seems like the nicest, happiest guy in the world. Right. Just content with everything. And, and that's why I said this is his episode for me. This is the episode where I really fall in love with Bobby Pin from the very beginning of his heartwarming call with his parents to getting shit from Rooster, but just never, never seeming to, it never gets to him. And he, and as you mentioned, he sees the struggle and he probably understands. He 100% knows, like he knew. He says it in the ring when he's with Ace in the main event. He says, I don't know what I'm doing, Ace. And Ace says, calm down. I'll call through it. And we got a little bit of a montage here. And it looked like they had a great match. Crowd responded to it great. Bobby Pin got over, hit some good spots. Um, so he knows Rooster should be in the main event. Probably would have given it to him. Can't give it to him. What does he give him? Main event Ice. Do you? Did you think Bobby was going to fall off the water tower? I'm glad you asked that. So, no, I did not think he was going to fall in the water tower. However, seeing him on that water tower with that heart-melting phone call to his parents, thanking them for being supportive, thanking them for loving him, can't wait till you come out and see here. I think you said it, I don't remember if it was episode two or one, probably two, because it's when he had the baby. I think you told me, or maybe one, because that's when he retired, but you told me you thought uh, Big Jim Jim was going to die. Yeah, no, this water tower, the second I saw him up there, I didn't think he was going to fall off, but that's my prediction. Like, this is this is the guy it happens to. Oh, you think Bobby's going to get hurt? Bobby's going to die. Bobby's going to get hurt. Something, like, the first thing I thought was Bobby Pin's going to die. But I don't know if they're rushing to kill off a character that they just made me fall in love with, so injury might be the way. But, yeah, like, like that. as soon as we saw this scene, and... Just, as I said, more things we learned of the character. From what I'm getting so far, I don't know if Bobby Pin has very many friends. We know he moved away from his parents, wherever they are. We haven't actually seen him talk to his parents. It's all voicemails. We see that he lives in a trailer. So it just kind of seems to me like this guy is just a, a kind of a, a loner, but just, as I said, so content, so happy. It doesn't take much to please him. He's just, he wants to wrestle. He wants to learn. He wants to perform. He's happy doing it. And, and oh my God, that fucking water tower scene was my favorite scene of the three episodes we've seen so far. I, I really thought he was going to fall off. I was like, oh great. I was like, because evil has a shit ton in his trophy case. I was like, so that would be the icing on the cake that this good guy would fall off the fucking water tower. Right. I mean, also that water tower like space is so tight. I'm just waiting for one of them to like push the rail and it like give way. (laughs) We know what it is because me and you spent years watching that 70s show and nobody hangs out on a water tower doesn't get pushed off. Right. Or like sit down. They stand on that damn water tower. I get so nervous. I'm like, sit down. Right. Jim, Jim and Jack were at least sitting down when they were on the water tower. Right. I was like terrified. I was like, "Oh my god, I do not like this." I was like, "This does not sound." Man is standing up. Woohoo! Yeah, I was like, "This man's gonna fall off of this damn thing." But but oh my god, I just don't know how you can't be happy for Bobby Penn at the end of this episode, like, and it's just from the first episode where Bobby Penn kind of was coming across first and second episode rather, where he's kind of just coming across as comic relief. You know, yeah. he, he he doesn't know how he, he's laughing when he takes a moonsault. He's dressed as the Hulk and says, my new wrestling persona is turquoise. He seems like kind of a bumpkin. 
Aww, he is a But no, in this episode, it's just, wow. Like, I didn't see it coming. And now I'm just all about Bobby Pin. Also, I cannot wait to hear the theme song. (laughs) Jack's like, what's your theme song? Oh, it's a rap I wrote. (laughs) Willie, have you heard this? I can't unhear it. And I'm like, oh, my God, they didn't play it for us? What the fuck? Where's my my Bobby Pin? We're going to be in for a treat. I cannot wait. I, I really hope we get him rapping it for the crowd. <laughs> Though then again, uh, I'm not sure that would keep him over as a baby face. Speaking of which, we kind of glossed over the conversation with Jack and Rooster, but I loved another thing us wrestling fans will understand when Jack tells Rooster, I had to put Bobby Pin because he'll be anything I want. And once again, it goes back to the fact that Jack knew this was happening all along. Jack knew it doesn't matter, Ace, you're shitty. Also, Danielle, me and you both said we didn't like that promo Ace was cutting. Right? Right. Jack uh, said he loved it. Uh, I don't know. The face promo that we said lacked sincerity. Oh, yeah. Jack said, I love the promo. Let's keep it. So once again, Jack knows exactly what's going on. And in the business, I guess going into this match, you could have called Bobby Pin a tweener. Really, he's more of a jobber. But he's not really a face <laughs> or a heel. He can be anything. So... Anyone across from them in that corner, they're just going to, the fans are just going to go ahead and do the opposite. So Bobby Pin, once again, very valuable. And I'm glad Jack got to explain that to Rooster. I hope Rooster understood it. Right. He says, the, doesn't he say the line, well, you're afraid I'm going to go off script? Oh, well, Ace, Ace, Ace comes says it. In. Yeah, oh, Ace like, says it. I was like, I, I know somebody said that. No, when Ace comes in, Jack's like, Jack's looking at him. He's like, are you good? He like sees a look in his eyes. And Ace is like, what's what's the matter? You think I'm going to go off script? And then let's talk about when Ace comes back after his big main event with Bobby Pin. Everybody's happy. Why? Because Ace got that heat. Yep. And Ace carried Bobby through a great main event. And a big turn just happened. Yeah, like then- CM Punk and his crew are all like smiling ear to ear. Jack is happy. Like, you just love it. And then Ace just unleashes heel. Curses out Willie and Crystal and is just like, I'm a heel now. That's it. Yeah, he embarrasses Crystal, saying, you're not my girlfriend. I can't make this any more clear. S- meanwhile, he just he fucked her, like, what, 30 minutes ago? Hour ago? He's gross. And calls Willie a bitch. That's, that's not going to fly. That's completely uncalled for. A- and it's, oh, man, it's just like, it's in this moment where you just, and, and then you see him say to Jack, he's like, what, you got what you wanted, I'm a heel now, with tears in his eyes. And a part of me thinks, a part of me thinks that Ace, you know we think Ace is delusional? He thinks he's the good guy when he's not? Uh-huh. I think Ace knows he's a piece of shit. Deep down, he might not admit it, he might not say it out loud, but he knows he's a piece of shit. And that's why he cared so much about being a face, because that was his only shot to get cheered, his only shot to be the good guy, to be revered. And instead, now in real life, he's a piece of shit, and in his pretend life, he's a piece of shit. Oh, I don't agree with that at all. Clearly, by what I he love was. It when you disagree. <laughs> clearly, by what he was saying at the bar with the guy, when he's like, "Do you remember when I struck you out? Do you remember when I did all this?" He's delusional. He thinks he's always the good guy. And he was like, well, obviously I'm going to be a good guy in wrestling because I'm, I'm loved. He's delusional. I don't, th- I don't think he knows he's a piece of shit at all. I, I think there's a part of him that knows. I, I don't think so at all. I think he's just a fucking delusional prick. He's such a prick. I love it. He, this guy he, does it, such a great job at being a fucking prick. 
Yeah, he doesn't know how to press stop on it right now. He has to be able to separate himself from the character and determine if he really is a nice guy, which we know he's not. We know he's not. Such a piece of shit. You know who's not a piece of shit? Apocalypse and Cottonmouth. Because when Bobby gets backstage, you see how happy they are hugging him. Apocalypse runs over, gives him the big hug. Yeah, Bobby, you did it, Bobby, you did it. Yeah, they're very supportive. Your obsession with Bobby is so funny. Well, in this case, I'm actually more of an obsession with Apocalypse. I'm really loving the locker room leader. He kind of reminds me of a Mark Henry, um, you know, just, just... That big guy that's been to the mountaintop and now he's more concerned with keeping everyone below him level-headed and making sure that everybody else has the same chance of success that he has had. Oh, he reminded me of Terry Crews. <laughs> okay, well, I meant more of his character in the wrestling world. I Not know. who does Jerome Harrison, who did James Harrison make you think of? No, no, I just meant like when he's all smiley and happy because like that's his character. I meant the character, I, not him. I'd love to see more from Apocalypse as a character. Like, I'd love to, yeah. to get to know him a little bit more, see him in the ring, see him work, uh, powerhouse some people. He's a big guy. He's a linebacker. I want to see him. I want to see him take off with some heads. I wonder if he's ever going to, like, turn on them. Like, lo loyalty can only go so far before, like, something happens. I mean, right now, not turn, I think, Not turn in a sense like he would be nasty, but when another opportunity comes, no matter how loyal he is, he has something staring him in his, fa in his face and he can't, like, resist it. I mean, right now, judging from the conversation we saw him have last uh, episode and just with the, the way we are meant to look at his character now, I don't even think that's supposed to be on our radar. He's already kind of made it clear that I'm not listening to anyone. Rooster seems to be the one who's not only very willing to listen, but also willing to spread that message of we should listen to anyone in the locker room willing to listen. So Rooster's the type of guy where if he did listen to an offer and go to another company, he'd also be the type of guy to maybe cut a promo about DWL, do a shoot interview and trash them on a podcast. Rooster's the kind of guy I've kind of got my eye on. Like, I'd love to see Rooster stay with DWL and eventually get his moment in the sun. But he's the guy I kind of have on my radar of if he if he goes, he'll he'll go bad. He'll he'll turn heel. He's already a heel. But his character's not, but he would be a heel. I think his character's a little healy. Rooster? No. Rooster's been established as a babyface. Really? I don't see him. I mean, he said that they love him. And also, we've kind of seen his uh, style of wrestling, and that's usually attributed to a babyface. So I, I'm pretty positive that Rooster is a babyface. Okay. Um, last thing before we wrap this episode up, Danielle, it's the Stacy and Jack confrontation at the very end. What do you think? Who's right? Who's wrong? Can't they all just get along? Uh, I, I don't know. I want to go to Machu Picchu, too. Like, I, I, I understand what she's saying and what she's going through, that, like, she's just a housewife from wherever they're from, and they're not going anywhere. And I think it gets her frustrated, and, it like, she feels like nothing's happening. And, like, I, I kind of side with her on that. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things where all she did was kind of bring up a vacation and how quick Jack shut it down and how it seemed like there was no point in even thinking about it or even talking about it. 
I think it kind of hit her where there is no break. There is no weekends. There is no vacation. This is her life. It is it is her husband selling lawn equipment during the week and then her husband selling his body to the fans of wrestling on the weekends. Right. And it's a K and it's a kayfabe life that she has when her friends at the end are like, tell her she has such a cool life. And she's like, yeah, but do I? She's like, yeah, in the wrestling world, I may have a cool life, but I really don't. It's really clear that Jack has no idea how much trouble he's in with his marriage. Yeah, he's in Like, in the first two episodes, I wasn't sure if either of them realized the problems that we were seeing. But now it's very clear uh, Stacy is not happy. And I mentioned it last uh, episode where Jack is asking her for advice. I thought it was 100% on should I sell the dome company-wise? Is it ready to move on? And she's... Just like, we don't need you to, we just want you to spend more time with us. Right. And I, I think they were both talking about two completely different things. They both don't know what's going on. Um, his mom once said that he is like his dad, always thinking the wrong things are most important. Right. So it, we're, we're seeing the ways that these spades are alike. Right. And like just the end where he steps out on the same spot where his dad killed himself. I thought that was a beautiful touch. Yeah, did he, what he, he just said dad, right? Yeah, I think so. Like he said dad, looked up, and then I, I, I thought he was going to say something else, but then he kind of just, that was it. Yeah. So does that mean that... Everybody's going to kill themselves. Okay, that's not what I was going to ask. Oh. I meant to say, does that mean Jack lives in the house that used to be his, like, is this the same house? I think so, because isn't that the same porch? Because that's what I got from it. Right, So so that means that the house that Tom and Ace and his mom were living in, Jack moved into, and now they have another house like that. I mean, maybe. I guess maybe the mom just and Ace couldn't live there anymore, but why would Jack move in? Like, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Me neither. I don't know. Maybe she needs to move into something smaller because he has a bigger family now. Maybe we'll find out next time. On heels. Dun, dun, dun. I'm really loving this show. It's a fun one. I I do know, I, I don't know when it happens, but I know later this season we're getting a, a Mick Foley cameo. Oh, we are? That's I, delightful. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who he's playing, what he's playing, but he did let it out on Twitter that he will be in an episode of Heels, so we'll keep our eyes peeled for that. CM Punk was the first wrestler uh, we see have a meaningful role Aww, here. Poor, poor Sleepy Gallows. I said meaningful. Listen, poor his guy. cameo was great, but th- he, he didn't have a name. Poor guy. <laughs> poor guy. You're not meaningful at all. <laughs> you know who? You know who would really pop the crowd if we see him show up in uh, in heels? Titus O'Neil. Alex Riley. <laughs> oh man, is Alex Riley canceled? No, right? He's good, right? I mean, he. He might be canceled for being crazy. He's oh, been talking okay. shit about John Cena for like a few months, like say, oh. saying he's going to... I always forget who's canceled. I'm like, is he canceled? Are we allowed to talk about him? He's canceled. He might be cray-cray, but I don't think he's canceled. He can be cray-cray. That's okay. Most people are. But I'll never forget his cameo from Glow. So I'd oh, love to see that was him. such a good cameo. Right. <laughs> That was, I was, I just remember being like, is that Alex Riley? Yeah, Alex what? Riley. What? Yeah. And if you don't know <laughs> wrestling, you're watching that and you're like, who is, you're like, oh, okay. It's just some beefy guy. And you're like, nope, that's Alex Riley. <laughs> What'd they call him? The Iron Horse or something? Steel Horse, I think. 
Steel Horse, good memory. Right? Steel Horse. Yeah. Yeah. We can't talk about who he faced, but yeah. <laughs> it was the Monopoly Man. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, yeah, the Monopoly Man. Do they have to get rid of that episode? I wonder if that episode's still there. That's not how that works, Danielle. Wrestlers don't get canceled and then they just remove them from any acting spots. Uh, okay. It's only if it's only if the episode was offensive. Got it. That makes right, sense. Right. Exactly. Episode would be would have been offensive. Boom. Right. Which is hilarious if you think about it. Anyway, guys, hope you are enjoying Heels as much as we are. Hope you're enjoying listening to us talking about it as much as we are enjoying talking about it. And I hope you guys tune in next time. As always, you are the best, and we are just trying to be like you. Uh, 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 uh.